Once again, uh, we're glad to have you with us this morning. We uh, we are in our last week of a, um, a sermon series we've been in since the beginning of the year. Uh, fresh start, new year, new attitude. And in that series, what we've been doing is uh, looking at the mind of Christ that Paul says that he that he hopes that we have the mind of Christ. And for this series, uh, if you what we've been doing is like looking at add-ins that we want to add to our walk with God, right? That as we see the attributes of Jesus and, and who he is and how he interacted with people, those are things that we want to add in to our life. We're, we're, Ash Wednesday is uh, is this coming week uh, on Wednesday, and that begins Lent. And starting next week, we're going to be in a series where we're going to go the opposite direction, and we're going to talk about things that we want to get rid of in our life. And so for all of you that have been looking forward to me preaching about sin, here it comes. And so um, it's probably not the one you want me to talk about, but it's the one you need. Okay, so that's that's where we're going in that. But uh, so for this last week, uh, the word I, I picked is patience. And patience gets at it, but it's it, it, Really, we could have done a whole bunch of words. Patience, mercy, long-suffering, grace. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, the word was hesed, which meant God's uh, long, uh, long-lasting long love, His faithful love for us, this patience that He's exhibited to us over and over and over again. It's a part of the biblical story. I mean, you remember God created the heavens and the earth for us. We're the height of creation. He, everything that he did was for, was for our benefit. In Romans, it talks about there's no excuse for not knowing God because the heavens and earth declare his glory. Right? It, it, I mean, you, by just looking around, we know that there's a God who has power and might. And throughout the ages, God has over and over again given himself to us and led people and blessed people and guided people and protected people. And since the beginning of mankind, no matter how much God has given to us, we continue to push back at him. And if it was up to me, I'd be done with us. I would have started over a long time ago. He's God. He could snap his fingers and start over and do a better version this time of humanity, right? But this is, this is the, the idea I'm coming after. But he has patience with us. He has mercy and kindness to us. And I, I, I think, um, especially in to, today's world, I think patience is one of those those things that would be a benefit for all of us to lean into a little more, right? We, we just, we don't live in a very patient society, right? If you ordered something and it's going to take more than two days, what the heck are you paying for prime, uh, prime shipping for? It makes us upset. If you go to the burger place and it takes more than five minutes, you want to talk to the manager, right? <laughs> You, you open your phone. If the app doesn't work right away, you go buy a new phone. We just, we don't, we don't, we're not patient. And, and Kerrville, like since I've moved here seven years ago, the traffic has increased. And, you know, every once in a while, I have to sit through a light twice. <laughs> just to go across town or you drive up 16 and, oh, my God, you hit every light and you just want to 
I don't know. <laughs> the other night, I was coming back from uh, the, the walk to Ema- the, the Emmaus community gathering and driving on the loop over here and got behind a slow car, and then I passed him. And there was a cop behind there, so I got pulled over this <laughs> last week. And as he's pulling, he's like, where are you coming from, son? I just led a worship service. <laughs> he did just give me a warning, so that was good. But, right, we, we just, we're not patient. Lori and I, this week, this weekend, we have, uh, the, the grandkids, and I've been reminded, we, we look at each other all the time and say, this is why God gives children to young people, because it's just, it takes so much energy, and we have Denver who's four, and Denver has always needed the spotlight and undivided attention, and then Chipper, who is now walking and can get into things, and like his entire life is about just walking through the house, throwing things on the floor. And so yesterday, it was raining, we couldn't go outside. Denver's playing school. She has Lori's old office uh, bell, you know, ding, ding, like you see in an office. So she's hitting that bell over and over again. Chipper is throwing everything off of the thing. We finally got him to bed. I don't know whenever. It wasn't early enough, but we finally got him to bed. And Lori looked at me and said, I love our grandkids, but I was supposed to take them back in the afternoon tomorrow. I think I'm taking them right after church. (laughs) Because I'm not used to being patient like that anymore. It's the same reason I don't do youth trips anymore. I would kill somebody if I... (laughs) But patience, right? And in our, our culture, we... You know, we don't have patience with each other. We don't, we don't give people the benefit of the doubt in our life. We're not looking to, to look past shortcomings, to give a second chance. Our whole culture right now is, is aimed at just ran and in, attacking and, and, and going against each other. And I think, I think this morning as we talk about this, I think, I think, uh, we're, we're gonna look at some, uh, three little different happenings with the disciples that we're gonna use as an example. Uh, but I think this stuff is appropriate for us in our day and age. Uh, we're gonna be in Luke chapter nine and we have three consecutive just little stories, but each of those uh, I think tells us a little bit of G- about Jesus and his, his attitude toward others. I'm going to take them one at a time. We'll read one and then uh, we'll talk about that before we move to the next one. First one, uh, Luke chapter 9, beginning verse 46. Then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to the side and he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. Let's pause on that one. I mean, right from the beginning, we, it, it's, it, it's funny in our, in our Bible reading, a lot of times we just read right past uh, little sentences that we see as transition or whatever, but it tells us a lot about the disciples. It tells us a lot about humanity. And, and here we are, our story, the disciples are, are traveling with Jesus. 
And remember, Jesus, the Son of God, the disciples have had a front row seat to his ministry. They have seen him over and over and over do amazing things, heal people, make lame people walk, um, feed thousands of people without any food uh, to begin with. He has taken on religious leaders. He's drawn a crowd. And in all of their time, they have never seen Jesus go, hey, look at me. Jesus has always been pointing them to the Father. And now, this is later in his ministry. It's later. So they have some time under their belt with him. And they're walking along. And first verse, as they were walking along, they were arguing about who is the most important. I mean, come on. Jesus had to want to just facepalm over and over. What? Why have I been wasting my time with you people? And this isn't the only time they do this. The night before his crucifixion, when they're in, in, in the upper room, the last, uh, the last Passover meal they're going to have, and they're arguing about who's the greatest there before Jesus washes their feet. Right? The, just this idea that you're in the presence of the greatest being ever, and you're going to argue about how important you are? Now, let's not just pick on the disciples. I said, I think this stuff is, is for us. How many of us just need, need attention? Need people to know how good we are? Need people to know how much time we've been spending with this? How good a parent we are? How, how, how much time we gave? How much money we gave? And don't raise your hand. I said, I did that like a question. I really don't want you to admit it in here, admit it in here, but not out loud. But I mean, it's, it's that part of our ego, that sin nature that we, we, we need the world to swirl around us. And, and, and Jesus sees this and instead of getting angry, he just corrects them, right? It, it must, it must just get on his very last nerves, except God's not like me, so I don't think that's the way he thinks. But to think of all that he's done for us, and then you got a couple of numbskulls that haven't done anything that are arguing about which one's better. And so what he says, he, he wants to put them right. And so he, there's probably a crowd around. He grabs a kid out of the crowd and pulls him in front. He says, whoever welcomes this kid welcomes me. Now, this is hard for us to understand because society has changed a lot. And we, we, we have now made children the centerpiece of our world and the world revolves around them. But back then, they were, they were simply tools to go fetch things out of the barn, right? They, they didn't have political power. They weren't, they weren't, um, nobody really cared how the kids felt. They were weak in, within the society. That's why any time in the, in the Old Testament and the prophets, it was always about caring for or- orphans and widows, right? Because some marginalized people. And so he pulls a, cr- a kid out who has no political power, doesn't have a job, doesn't have influence, isn't important, doesn't have a title, pulls the kid out and says, anyone who welcomes a child like this welcomes me. In other words, if, if you're not worried about impressing people, but you just love people, like even like this kid, now we're on the same page. 
you're welcoming me. And when you welcome me, you're welcoming the Father. In other words, this is the heart of who we are. This isn't about you being the greatest. That's not even a conversation my followers have. In fact, he goes on to say, if you want to be the greatest, you have to be the the least. It, we we still can't get our heads around this. We, we've had we've had over two thousand years to ponder on this, and we still can't get our heads around this. It's because that that thing inside of us that just needs attention and and needs to be important. But Jesus, no, 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 no. That's not who we are. That patience he has. We've been talking about even when you mess up, God loves you and God loves everyone. Even the sinners, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is that patience at work. This is that mercy at work. We're going to have attitudes and things that go against who Jesus is. And it's not that he doesn't care. He instructed the disciples to sort of give them the right context. But it, did it change his love for them at all that they were being idiots? No. He loves us even when we have things go wrong. Second one, verse 49. John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who's not against you is for you. Okay? Guy's out doing ministry, casting out demons. He's obviously heard Jesus, seen Jesus, knows about Jesus' ministry, but he's not in the right denomination. Right? He's not going to the right church. He, 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 he was going to those, that church over there. And and the disciple, I think John thought he was going to get a pat on the back for this. He comes to Jesus, man, I saw a guy doing ministry, and he was using your name. We got to put a stop to that. You got a trademark on that stuff, don't you? And Jesus says, whoa, why, why do you care about that? If he's doing good, if he's on our side, then why do you, why, why should that matter? And in, in, in our current times when, when there's, you know, denominational conflict and religious community conflict as a whole and political conflict all around and everything, and we get our mindset on, on who's the good group and who's not the good group and what, the way it should be or, or not be. And uh, the, the, we've talked about this before, like the churches that, that are different from us are not our competition. There are brothers and sisters, and we get so wrapped up in, in little details about that kind of stuff. Right? Like we, in our tradition, we do things a certain way. There's, there's a way we serve communion. Uh, the way that we take care and administrate communion is different from some other churches. Does that make us right and them wrong? No, if they're honoring God in what they're doing, then it's just a difference in the way they're doing it, right? Think back uh, 10 years ago when we had worship wars going, and they were going hot here. It wasn't even 10 years ago. It was happening when I first got here, seven years ago, where the traditional service was upset at the contemporary people because they were listening to guitars. 
And everyone knows Jesus had a pipe organ with him wherever he went. (laughs) And real Christians listen to the pipe organ. Right? At the end of the day, who cares? Right? If they're honoring God, why do you let that bother you? How many things do we get in conflict over? And Christians, we love to attack each other. Oh, we love to attack each other. How many problems could we do away with if we kept worrying, quit worrying about, and, and just own the fact it doesn't, doesn't mean those things aren't important. The reason I'm Wesleyan is because the Wesleyan way of doing those is, is, matches with my understanding and my learning and and therefore I'm I'm convinced but that doesn't mean I'm right and someone else is wrong because there's folks in other traditions that have that same commitment to how they understand those things baptism another one right whether you're dunked or sprinkled or poured or spit on whatever it happens <laughs> if it's in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit then why why do we get upset about that? And again, Jesus is, is teaching us, let's not be so quick to judge. And part of this goes towards sort of that tribalism that we have. He's not in our group. In other words, our group, as long as our group is, we're the best. And we tend to do this with churches instead. Well, well, our church is good, but those people over there, they're just doing weird stuff, right? It, it's about our tribalism. It's about our judgmentalism. And Jesus is saying, if he's for us, don't worry about it. Another way of saying it, the way Wesley would have said it, is does it bear fruit? Uh, is that bearing fruit? Are you seeing? Are you seeing God at work in it? If so... Who cares? I mean, I'm not a big Joel Olstein fan. I, if I, I wouldn't go to his church if I lived in Houston. Um, it's not my cup of tea. But the boy can bring in some people. And if he's bringing in all those people and giving them a chance to hear about Jesus, all the more power to him. Right? We We, we just need to stop... Always thinking that our way is the best way. And Jesus wasn't up for the the whole, my team's better than your team thing. Because his team is called the church universal. And it's the bride of Christ that is going to be the instrument through which God saves the entire world. That's the way he looks at it. Let's lose our pettiness. Let's, let's be more, uh, more, um, loving towards one another and especially to our uh, Christian brothers and sisters. We don't have to go after each other when we disagree on, on, on things. At the end of the day, have they Christ and Him crucified and resurrected? That, there, there's your essential. If, if, if the ministry is doing that, and if the guy was casting out demons in the name of Jesus, it was valid ministry. Last one. This is my favorite. Verse 51. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. 
And he sent messengers ahead to Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. And when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, so they went on to another village. This is my favorite because this is the one I can relate to the most, and I think you can too, right? That Jesus is, again, the disciples have been with Jesus. They should know better. They, they, from following him, number one, he'd already taken them through a Samaritan village where he met a, a woman and visited with her. And then she became a believer and shared it with the rest of the village. And the whole village was changed by that interaction. They knew that unlike other Jews, he wasn't going to take the long detour around Samaria just to, just to avoid the Samaritans. By the way, the Samaritans were a people group that the Jewish people didn't like because they saw them as half-breeds, and the Samaritans didn't like the Jews, and so there was this enmity against one another. They also had heard one of his favorite illustrations. They'd heard the story over and over where he talked about the chief priests and the religious leaders being jerks, but had made the Samaritan figure literally the good person in the story. And here they are. This is later. That's on, when he's on his way to Jerusalem. It's, he's, he's making the trip for his last trip to Jerusalem where he's going to be crucified. They've been with him three years now. They know his heart. They know his mind. They know how he acts towards other people. They send in a message. They send in a forward team to get some stuff ready. Disciples go in to do it. The Samaritans, who equally hate the Jews, don't want to have anything to do with it because Jesus wasn't coming to stay in Samaria. He was on his way to Jerusalem, so that made it a bad trip or whatever. Or they felt slighted for whatever reason. They're not going to do the party, so they're upset that Jesus isn't. to stay. The disciples are upset because they don't get a parade now. And John and James, the sons of thunder, was their their title. They come to Jesus and say, can we burn them down? I read in the Bible about righteous anger. Can we just take them down? I mean, there have been times in my life that's been my prayer. Consume them with fire, God. (laughs) May a hole in the earth open and they fall through it, right? And you see this in the psalm. David does this in the psalms. It's some of those psalms that make, if if you're new to reading the Bible, you read them, you're like, what the heck? I want to bash their babies' heads against the rock and kill all my enemies, right? It's that thing. Again, it's that ego. It's that. That thing inside of us, that if people who are different, they're our enemy. And, and, and our heart and our mind allows us to go to a place where we can actually get to a place where we can rationalize that hoping for violence against other human beings is actually a righteous thing to do. But that's not who God is. That's not who Jesus is. Here's the Jesus way. Instead of calling down fire on your enemies, he said, I want you to pray for your enemies. 
I think one of the places we see this most at work in our world right now is in the political arena. And we're, we're entering that season again. And, and just the, the, the contention we have on, on the sides, right? And I've heard it. I hope that God just strikes down, blah, 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 or blah, blah, blah. Like that's a righteous thing to hope for. No, people of Jesus, Jesus followers, here's what we do. If you're worried about, if you don't like the Democrats, you need to pray for them. If you don't like the Republicans, you need to pray for them. If you don't like whoever is in office, you should pray for them. If you like them, you should be praying for them. This is how Jesus changes the world, not through violence and wishing bad on others, but by but by love. A word for today is is patience. You go to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, that a lot of you had the passage read at your wedding. The very first word in, in description of what love is, love is patient and kind. See, this, this is where we get mixed up. And the disciples were right there. Again, I think they thought, this will be fun. Let's just burn them. Come on, God, do something. Take them down. That's not, that's not the way the kingdom of heaven works. Go back, right? It's, it's not about being important and being right. It's, it's admitting and, and being willing to take the role of the least. It's, it's willing to recognize that there might be other ideas and, and people and groups and, and methods that you're not necessarily comfortable with, but that God is blessing and using for His kingdom. And overall, there is never a time where, where He gives us permission to turn aside the divine worth of all people and pray for them instead of against them. And I know, I, I, I hear your argument, but they're doing some evil, and we don't do it. That's a human way of thinking. I'm just dumb enough to believe the Bible that says the Lord is going to redeem the world. That He's going to make things right. And he told me to love him and love my neighbor as, as myself and to love others the way he loved me. And I'm going to stick with that. I hope as in this coming year, it's going to put it to the test with us. It's so easy to get sucked into it, right? Because there are some wacky ideas on both sides. It's so easy to get pulled into, but that's not the heart of God. We don't. We're, we're not. We're supposed to be countercultural. We're supposed to be the other than. That's what the mind of Christ is. It's not. It's not the way all of us are. It's. It's the way. It's the way we are when God has authority over us. Over this series, we've been talking about a lot of the attributes of Christ, his humility, his servanthood, his sacrifice, um, his generosity toward us, his patience, his mercy, 
His kindness. And as I said earlier, these are all things that I hope you see are add-ins to the way our walk with Christ goes. And I, I don't, I don't usually do things like this and, and I know it makes some folks uncomfortable or whatever, but I just want to invite you to close your, your eyes for a minute and let's, let's just tune in for you and Jesus and, and don't worry about what your neighbors are doing or anything. And as, as, as we've been going through this or even just this morning, my first question would be if, if you just, if you haven't begun walking with Jesus yet, and you want to, then that's going to be the first invitation I make. The second one is going to be you've been walking with Jesus, but there's been some stuff that we've been talking about that you're like, man, I need to work on that. And the third one would be that you've been walking with Jesus, but you want to re-up, and you want to go deeper. And so just as, as, as we're, as we're sort of in our own space, I'm going to invite you into, to one of those responses if, if you're there. And if, if you're willing, I, I'd ask you to stand where you are, just as a sign of that, or raise your hand. And we're, we're talking to an eternal God who knows our hearts, so you can do it in your heart as well. But it, just like the giving thing, there's something in, in making that statement. There's something that takes it a little deeper. So who would respond this morning? And I just want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. And your Son is so loving. And we really want to be more like him. And that no matter how hard we try, and, and no matter how much we just sort of make that a, a head decision, um, we're, we're not going to be very successful. That what we really need to do is just surrender ourselves to you. Open up and give you access. And that's what we do this, this morning, God. We say, come Holy Spirit. Just like the rains that have come the last couple nights, let it just flood over us. Just fill us with your goodness of your mercy, of your grace, of your forgiveness and power. God, make this more than just a a momentary desire, but make it a hunger, make it a fire within each of us. We're not going to call down fire on our enemies, but we want to call down the fire of, of your holiness into our hearts. Burn up the dross within us. Burn up the junk within us. Just light our hearts on fire for you. God, we look forward in the coming, in the coming days, the coming weeks, the coming years to be able to look back and say something happened that day. Something changed. 
Thank you for never giving up. For always loving us. And we pray that in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.